But what I think is exciting about it is you're tapping into 20 plus years of Amazon's purchase data, right? The old maxim goes, you know, Facebook knows what you like, Google knows what you search for, Amazon knows what you purchase. You're listening to the Ecom Exits podcast with your host, Nate Ginsberg. Learn the best tips and tactics to improve profits, cash flow, and maximize your e-commerce business value on the way to a successful exit. Welcome to the show. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome back to the Ecom Exit Show. It's your host, Nate Ginsberg, joined today by Brent Zaradnik, founder of AMZ Pathfinder. Uh, this is a really fun and special interview as well because I'm actually also a partner in AMZ Pathfinder. And well, Brent started the company in, man, I mean, went back to 2005 when he first got started working with ads and since then has worked with hundreds of Seller Central accounts, uh, currently spending a million dollars a month in ads. It has been amazing to be, uh, I've, I got involved with the business. It's now, man, I guess been a, I mean, a, a few years. And I mean, the business has been growing really well and been amazing to be a part of. And Brent is just a wealth of knowledge of Amazon PPC, as well as uh, a really new, exciting opportunity, Amazon DSP, which is what we're going to focus on talking about. Excited to uh, get to dive in and have Brent share with you all. So Brent, Glad we're finally doing this. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. Thanks for the generous introduction. Um, Yeah, I think it was February 2018 that we we partnered up officially. So it's been a bit more than two years now at this point. Yeah, that uh, sounds sounds right. And yeah, it's been uh, an an exciting journey to be a part of, and especially recently with DSP. And I mean, uh, I know we're we're both aware of how uh, you know the opportunity that we're seeing for sellers, as well as how that has you know, been, been growing, uh, you know, Pathfinder in the business. And so for, mm-hmm. for those who aren't familiar, so what is DSP? Sure. So a brief primer, um, many of your listeners who are Amazon sellers are active on Amazon with their business in some form are probably intimately familiar with seller central's ad types. So sponsored products, sponsored display, sponsored brands, and what's available in advertising console where everything is kind of switching over. DSP can really be thought of as a totally distinct, separate flat platform. I mean, it's also from Amazon, but it's display advertising. You know, it's focused on CPM, so cost per thousand impressions rather than CPC, which is what we're mostly used to on the seller central side. Um, so think of it as like a as like an ad exchange. Uh, I mean, DSP stands for demand side platform. So you are uh, tapping into the demand that websites have for display advertising uh, is essentially what that means. And, you know, you can buy links back to your products on, on Amazon, or you can link to things off Amazon, which is something you cannot do in Seller Central. You know, there's, that's one of the many distinctions and differences, but that's a big one. You know, why are you, me, many people now, you know, getting so excited about DSP? Yeah, why now? Good question. So we've had uh, what you could call self-serve access to DSP since last year. And we had some traction with it at the agency level at the end of last year, quarter four, obviously, is a good time to be you know, active on Amazon. And then we had the whole COVID situation for much of this year and have recently restarted efforts uh, anew. And that's seen a great deal of traction more recently. And our clients uh, at Pathfinder are pretty much exclusively businesses that use Amazon as a major sales channel. A lot of them do have other channels like Shopify or whatever, but they're looking for returns on Amazon. So that's been the first big lever for us is like retargeting 
and getting more traffic to their products on Amazon. But what I think is exciting about it is you're tapping into 20 plus years of Amazon's purchase data, right? The old maxim goes, uh, you know, Facebook knows that you like, Google knows that you search for, Amazon knows that you purchase. And that is, you know, more true than ever now that Amazon has gained even more market share post like COVID situation as like Main Street is like closing down in a lot of cases or uh, on pause. Yeah, that might be why some of the attention has shifted to it. But I think companies that don't even sell on Amazon are starting to realize, oh, we can utilize Amazon's traffic and their platform and intelligence to uh, further our own aims with our products off Amazon or whatever it might be. You nailed it in terms of you know why I, I personally excited about the platform, but but yeah, you know you you mentioned being able to tap into Amazon's data and targeting, and I mean that was a uh, that's that's like Facebook knows what you like, Google knows what you you know are interested in, and Amazon knows what you buy, and uh, and so you know can you talk a little more like what kind of data or targeting options do you get with DSP that are unique to DSP versus the other types of advertising platforms? That's a great question. Yeah, the uniqueness because, uh, you know, everyone can target things like gender or age range, uh, you know, locality, for instance, like people in this zip code. But what's really interesting about some of the layers in DSP is the Amazon information that they, that they push in there. So a really good example would be targeting people who have viewed purchased or searched for an ASIN. So let's say that you're selling um, you know, some product on your own website. You could use Amazon's DSP to find competitors that are equivalent products that are super popular on Amazon. And you could build an audience against those ASINs. So Amazon's you know, unique identifier for those products. Basically create a campaign and order you know, around that, get display ads to those people and send them an offer or a landing page for your product that is you know, off Amazon. Yet again, this is not on Amazon but you're basically tapping into Amazon's traffic and I don't want to say stealing, but you're, you're kind of like borrowing the eyeballs of the people who have uh, been on Amazon and seeing that. And you certainly can't do that with any other platform. Um, and that's one of the main ways that we make use of DSP for retargeting, for stealing competitor views, for getting, um, you know, re-up purchases for consumable product, for instance. Uh, so there's a large variety of things that can be accomplished with just that one way of targeting. Yeah. Um, uh, another one we haven't used, but it's probably worth mentioning is like targeting by prime video. So you can actually target people who have watched like certain series or movies and stuff like that, which is kind of interesting. Huh. Um, but you so can't I, do that with other platforms either, of course. And then you have the, the things that are more, uh, I would say normal for other display platforms, like interest targeting. So like people interested in trucks or like, airsoft pistol enthusiasts, you know, people who play airsoft like a professional level. Um, mm -hmm. I have a friend that does that. So I know that that's like a whole, you know, sub subculture, <laughs> but like those kind of people may, you know, ostensibly be interested in some kind of product you have, whether it's on or off Amazon. So you can target by those. And yet again, this is based on Amazon's uh, knowledge of what people are actually buying and then all the different information they've coordinated about buyer profiles. And, you know, Amazon owns a lot more than just amazon.com too, like IMDb, uh, diapers.com, Zappos, like they have a lot of other web properties uh, that um, they have can coordinate and have partnerships with these ad networks. So it's, it's pretty big. They're right. a big so, name, obviously. So with DSP, you're able to tap into Amazon's unique targeting options and data, mm -hmm. but also they have like the more, I guess the quote, normal kind of stuff to interest targeting. Um, 
And, and, and so, you know, with this, I mean, it seems like it's a huge opportunity, you know, for, for Amazon sellers, as well as potentially, you know, brands off of Amazon. I know with, you know, Google display, you definitely can't get as targeted as people that look at certain, you know, certain products. And so, so who, like, who is DSP for? Like what, you know, what businesses are you seeing uh, have success with it now, as well as, you know, what businesses do you think you know, could, could have success with, with the new platform? Yeah, good question. Let me caveat this by saying um, it, the audience targeting and the audience builder in DSP is probably one of the strongest features and is incredibly, uh, like it goes incredibly in depth. Despite doing this since last year, I feel like we still scratched just the surface of it and have a pretty good understanding of how to implement some other things, but haven't had the opportunity to implement every single thing that's available. It's just such a, a massive ecosystem. So the majority of the clients that we're running it for are, like I said, mostly on Amazon businesses that have already kind of maxed out their ad spend on Seller Central and uh, advertising called some more traditional platforms. And they're looking for that, that like next edge, like the next level to kind of beat competition and, and kind of hit them where they ain't, uh, so to speak, where you know a lot of their competitors don't even know about this platform or have access to it. So with self-serve, we can say, hey, why don't we just throw, you know, five, $6,000 at it, see what we can do with it, uh, and then go from there. So that's like the first user group. And those, and those companies should be of a certain size and have mature Amazon listings. Like that stuff's pretty much always in place already if, they, uh, if, if they're like a large enough business. So those prerequisites are easy to meet. But I would say after that, um, who is it right for? Uh, yeah, physical products businesses on or off Amazon is a good one. We, we've done some of that. For people who are selling like maybe like info products or digital courses or something, there may be a use case for it. And you can set up pixels on your website or your landing page that help you track conversions. Amazon has a bunch of uh, facilities for that. You can create to get like pretty good attribution out of it. Or you can probably blend that attribution with other attribution on your site. But we haven't tried that personally, but I'm, I'm sure that would work if you found enough refinement in the targeting and the audience setup. But pretty much we've dealt with, you know, physical products, e-commerce. Uh-huh. And so can you explain the whole link in versus link out? And, and because this is a, a new feature or previously on Amazon, you could send traffic off and then they kind of scrapped that, but now they're bringing it back. And- sure. Yeah. You have a good memory, man. There, there was a time back in 2014, 2015, when you could buy ads uh, that would show up on Amazon SERP and then like product pages and you could send it to your website. They did stop that at some point, I think in early 2016, and then just focused on sponsored products and everything. So DSP is um, when you refer to link in, link out, like link in is just Amazon's way of saying it links to an Amazon page. And this is not just .com. We run DSP for Germany and UK uh, for some clients right now as well. Canada and Mexico are also possible. We just don't have a, a client that's interested at the moment. So yeah, this applies to any Amazon uh, you know, marketplace really. And then link out would be a page that's not an Amazon domain, right? So that could be uh, you know, your Shopify page or a, a ClickFunnels page or something like that. So that's what link out would mean. These are display ads that are gonna, you know, so they're gonna show up on, you know, any random website that like, you know, you'd see Google display advertising on basically types of websites is where the ads are going to be showing up. Yeah, that's actually a great point because uh, that's one thing I should have added to the unique special things about DSP. You can also get ad inventory through DSP that is not available anywhere else. So 
uh, Amazon has a bunch of different types of ad inventory. Like you can reach out to what's called OE, like the open exchange. And that's a lot of uh, display exchange networks that you're familiar with from like Google display, maybe uh, like Taboola and um, Rubicon is one of them. Uh, there's like, there's like several dozen between all the different ad types. I can't remember all of them. And that is, um, you know, larger scale, maybe in some cases, slightly lower quality inventory, but that is going to reach across like New York times and like, uh, you know, Huffington Post, like we see a lot of mobile apps, like Fox news, these kind of places get those display impressions. But one other thing that's unique about DSP um, is what's called O and O. So Amazon owned and operated um, inventory. So these are ads that actually appear on amazon.com, on amazon.de.co.uk. Uh, and you're not gonna get access to that in an ad inventory through any other platform that I'm aware of. I'm pretty sure that's exclusively through DSP. And so that ad inventory is typically more expensive from a CPM standpoint. So your actual cost per thousand is a little bit more costly, but we find that the ROI on that is pretty much consistently better you know, the scale is a little bit smaller, but that is ad inventory that's like super valuable. So those are people actually browsing Amazon mobile or desktop and they see that ad on there. So where, um, I mean, where is that going to show up on Amazon owned and operated? Mm-hmm. Like when people are browsing, I mean, is that like similar places that you see sponsored product ads or different or? Yeah, that's, that's a good one because the ad inventory on Amazon, I would say for the past year, maybe a little bit more, has become so mixed. It used to be very clear. You do a search, you'd be like, that's a sponsored product ad. That's a headline ad, or I guess sponsored brands now. Um, you know, this one over here is product display, now called uh, sponsored display. But uh, the lines are really starting to blur, especially between sponsored display and uh, DSP because they're both display advertising types. And they share a lot of the same uh, inventory on Amazon. And so it's places like below the buy box uh, on the left side nav, like a banner at the top. Uh, There's like a couple dozen different creative sizes. Some of them are unique to Amazon's placement. And they even have an ad type called DEA, which is dynamic e-commerce ad. And that does load like elements of your uh, product dynamically. So if you have a coupon, for instance, it'll show a coupon or if, um, Amazon actually tailors the ad type to who's looking at it, which is interesting. So if you're Nate and they know that you, you really love reading reviews, for instance, they're going to show you the ad type variation that has a review actually in it. Or if you're like, if you're me and you make an impulse buy or something, they're going to put the price like right front row center for you and say like, you know, add to cart, buy now, whatever. Sometimes the call to action button even changes. And the look and feel of those ads really blends in with Amazon. Um, it looks, it looks, you know, it's like native, essentially. It looks the same as the rest of the visual design language of the site. And so that's why we usually see great conversions and good ROI on those. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's display ad inventory. Uh, so it looks, it looks fairly similar in terms of like where it's placed and everyone's seen display ads on the internet, even if you know it or not, they're there. <laughs> Man, that's a, that's crazy data targeting, whatever that it can, if they know that you read reviews, however, they qualify that, which I'm sure mm-hmm. is, you know, I'm sure they, they know to a, a, a very high degree, uh, but yeah, that's crazy how they, they can pick that up about a, a user or a browser and then serve them ads that like highlight 
features of the listing or product that they know that they like are drawn to interact with. That's, that's slick. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty wild. And, and that's based on their, their technology. I mean, I'm sure other ad platforms have something similar, but I know mostly about display ads through DSP in the past year. You know, this is, this is like a newer thing for us because I've been, you know, direct response kind of cost per click for most of my, uh, you know, existence in advertising with Google and uh, Amazon since, since 2015. Yeah, it, it is pretty cool because it is dynamic. And actually just two days ago, I attended a webinar on this new type called like responsive creative ads or something like that. It basically allows you to take up to 20 different products and then it'll actually try to match the product to the person's profile and their search a little bit more closely because with these ads, you just pick one product, right? You're highlighting one product that's going to send that person to one detail page with, you know, variations or no variations. It depends on the, the parent listing setup, of course. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting, the, the kind of ways they're innovating on the ad stuff. I mean, you can still make like a classic 320 by 50 pixel, you know, custom creative that matches your brand and looks good, but it's not going to be dynamic. So a lot of what we do is these DEA ads, these dynamic ads. Um, we do run custom creative too, but we get better results, I think, in general with these DEA ones. Mm-hmm. And so for people that are, you know, interested in, in DSP, like, can you kind of break down, like, where does DSP fall in terms of customer journey, advertising funnel? Like, where does DSP fit into uh, uh, overall advertising strategy? Sure. Yeah. Thinking, um, thinking about it from a funnel approach, which... I guess most of your audience is familiar with the concept at this point, but like Amazon defines DSP as kind of fitting into four different layers. Um, let's see if I could do it from the top of my head. You got awareness, consideration, purchase, and loyalty. Those are the four, you know, going in order from top to bottom. Um, I like to split it up a little bit more and talk about like brand experience because there, I think there's a point where someone will uh, have, a, have a problem. They're looking to buy something for to fix and they get familiar with your brand and as having a brand is more and more important on Amazon these days, uh, I like to add like another fifth layer in there. That's kind of before purchase, but loyalty is kind of the last one, right? If you're trying to re-engage them after they've already bought. So DSP, I think is primarily designed to be kind of mid to top funnel. Uh, the way that we use it currently, we kind of use mid to bottom. You can really hit someone like anywhere in the funnel, depending on where your, where your targeting is, but we see the best ROI at the mid to bottom funnel right now. So for example, We'll set up campaigns that are loyalty. So let's say a product is a 30 day use window. You know, you buy something and use it for 30 days. We'll retarget people who are, you know, 30 days, 45 days after the purchase and try to get them to re-up. If you want to talk about the um, consideration part of the part of the funnel, that would be people who are looking at your page and competitors' pages and trying to decide what to buy. We can reach them with ads and make them, uh, you know, pull the trigger, convince them to pull the trigger on your product. And then you do have things like awareness where you can target larger and larger pools of people and bid lower, try to get a lower CPM. And you're just getting your brand out there. You're making them come visit your detail page, you're getting views that you can then remarket to later. Um, so it does, it does fit in, does fit in the top of the funnel too. But my expectation for sellers, especially those on Amazon would be the higher the funnel up you go, the different your KPIs should be, you know, you shouldn't have ROAS or ROI, you know, as your primary KPI, you should think more in terms of detail page views, impressions, reach, these kind of things um, to just calibrate your expectations properly. Mm. You and Pathfinder manage the seller central 
ads, product display, or whatever that <laughs> category is called, as well as DSP. And so do they work together or should, should people be advertising on both or if they have success with one more than the other? Or like, how do they, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm interested in how the, both of the ads like fit together as a part of potentially like a, a cohesive advertising campaign or strategy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I actually, I like to make a strange comparison, but I kind of compare it to like a cake. So imagine that you have a cake and you've taken it out of the oven. The cake is done. You only put the icing on the cake when it's cooled and it's ready. So I I think about DSP as kind of like the icing on the cake, whereas the cake is uh, your typical Amazon ads that you're already running. Those should be like not maxed out, but like at, at a really good place already. You should be covering your bases there before you jump to DSP, but it is like the next level. It's the icing on the cake. And so that's my feeling of how the order should be. Some people may disagree, but that's how I personally feel about it. And how they work together, um, Amazon is getting better and better at attribution, uh, but there are still some gaps in that. Uh, For instance, Amazon primarily relies on um, like click attribution. So whatever gets a click uh, is the thing that kind of overrides the view. But a lot of the views that we get through DSP, you know, the majority of sales in a lot of campaigns are attributed to view conversions. That is to say, someone has seen the ad, they didn't click on it, but they've seen it. And then they came and they made a purchase later on your product or a product in your catalog. It can be one you're tracking or one you're not tracking, actually, um, depending on how you have the attribution set up. Yeah, that's all pretty nerdy. But (laughs) the point is like the attribution mostly plays well together. Um, And we've definitely seen a lift in client accounts when we start running DSP because there's a lot of like long tail purchases that you get. You know, we advertise one product, uh, you know, or like a a small set of products in a family on a listing. But if we actually download the reports from DSP, we can see, oh, well, they also bought like this thing that's totally unrelated, which is also from our catalog. Or we got 30 views on our detail page for this thing and no one bought anything, but they saw it as a result of the ads. And so some of the reports in DSP are, are pretty complex. And I would say they're better than those we find in Seller Central for, for the most part, which mm. is encouraging because we get a lot of good data out of there. Yeah. And so can you uh, t- talk a little bit about like DSP CPM versus sponsored products, CPC? Ultimately, what I think matters is, you know, ROAS or return on your advertising spend. And so, mm-hmm. like, how do the platforms compare in terms of returns? Yeah, sure. So I actually pulled some numbers from this just yesterday because I was looking at something else. But um, there's a couple of measurements that we use to determine kind of like the cost for DSP. If you want to talk about CPMs, uh, I think that anywhere from like four and a half to five and a half dollars per thousand impressions is pretty common for our clients and some of the other clients we work with through some other arrangements um, we, we have currently. Yeah. So we, we manage like, I don't know, I would say at least a hundred thousand dollars a month in like DSP spend at this point between like various accounts and that, that number is growing pretty rapidly. So, you know, pulling the data from that, I would say that's, that's the general CPM range. Another one is like cost per detail page view. So unique views on your Amazon page. Um, we've seen that as low as like less than a dollar up to like a dollar 50, depending on like week and month. And then, um, yeah, I guess cost per click, which is not really as you can't really compare it to the cost per click that we get inside of seller central sponsored products in particular, because our, our, uh, cost per click for sponsored products probably hovers anywhere from at the low end, like 65, 70 cents up to a dollar. This is us numbers, uh, generally speaking. 
you know, a dollar cost per click is like pretty average if you ask a lot of agencies or platforms that work with uh, Amazon Seller Central. And on DSP, that number is uh, much higher. It's usually like 270 or like $3 for click. But yet again, the objective is not really a click. The objective is getting the impressions out there. That's a CPM model. And so, like I said, a lot of the actions that occur are not started by that click. They're started by an impression. And I think that's an important distinction to kind of understand. In terms of ROAS, uh, we aim for 3.0 minimum uh, when it comes to campaigns that are focused on ROAS. You know, we have others that are focused on impressions or detail page views, but those that are focused on ROAS, 3.0 minimum. We've been able to, for some clients, get up to eight or nine X, uh, which is, you know, definitely, definitely like good for them. Uh, but at that point, we try to figure out ways to scale the spend more because there is a balance to be had between getting two good returns and, you know, just spending a small amount and, and you know, just blowing it out on ROAS. But I would say, yeah, for a targeting anywhere from like three to eight times is usually what we aim for. Yeah, um, and I mean, a lot of our clients are four and a half, five, six, you know, range. Which is insane, right? I mean, compared to like, I don't <laughs> yeah, know what others... <laughs> I mean, it like I mean, I know a lot of whatever platform. I mean, if you can get consistently a three x ROAS, like that's should definitely be profitable. <laughs> and so, I mean, right. so right. And, and so, in what about in terms of like volume available? And so, I know that's you know with like keyword target ads, one of the challenges is how much it can scale. You know, maybe you get mm-hmm. a three x four x ROAS, but if there's only so many people searching for your keywords you know, you, that can only, the volume can only get so high. And so I guess, yeah, maybe, maybe if you could talk about, yeah, how DSP scales or how much, you know, spend potential uh, it could have on the platform and, you know, what kind of stuff you're, you're seeing with some of the clients that you're, you're uh, you know, working with. Yeah, because the potential inventory is just so huge, not only on Amazon's O&O, like we talked about the owned and operated, but the, um, you know, APS, Amazon Publisher Services and the Open Exchange, uh, which have a far greater reach and audience. If, if you have uh, your audience settings dialed in, like everything stems from how you have your audience set up. If you have that set up well and you have the, you know, parameters configured for, you know, all, all the different things you could consider to target the most relevant group of people, then then you can just put that same audience and just get it as many places as, as possible, <laughs> basically. So like the scale is, is tremendous. I just this morning was messing around with a campaign that's just under four times ROAS. And this, the spend there was like, uh, you know, moderate. We were spending like, uh, you know, a couple hundred dollars a week or something. This is just one line item under one order. So it's just an aspect of a single uh, advertiser. And uh, I was trying to figure out ways to like scale it up. And, you know, I increased the bid, I increased the frequency, I like limit, I, you know, remove this limiting factor. And still I can't like put enough money into it. Like every time we increase the spend, like the results stay the same as far as ROAS. So it's like, all right, spend went up by 30%, ROAS is holding steady. It's like, okay, that's a good sign. Let's take it to the next level. Um, so that's an experience that I actually have a lot with DSP where we continue to throw more money at it and a lot of the other metrics don't move um, in any negative way or you know, a very small uh, you know, downtick, for instance. Uh, that's been my experience with it more recently. Um, has been, it's hard to put enough money into it at the point where it breaks uh, or starts to you know, go negative if you have a really good audience set up. Um, occasionally we'll hit the ceiling of an audience and you can see that in DSP. It says like, you know, spend utilization or whatever is like 110%, but typically it's like hanging out at 60%. You're like, I want to give it more money. I don't know what else I can do here to make this spend more. 
because the, the stats, they still hold. Um, and that's promising uh, for sure. And so, so, you know, just like some, um, I guess, like real numbers, like how, how much are you seeing, you know, like from some of the bigger campaigns that you're, you know, you're, you're working with, like how much of a spend have you scaled or, or kind of seen some, some campaigns, you know, get to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I usually talk about this in terms of rolling 30 days because that's usually how I inspect the results at the first glance. You know, I'll do 30 days, then I'll drill down to 14. I'll try to look at it in different time windows. So I can, I can say with a pretty you know, high degree of certainty, some of the campaigns we manage right now, rolling 30 have a spend of anywhere from 14 to $20,000 um, at, at the large side. And then we have some clients that are, you know, more on like the, the five to let's say $12,000 um, you know, that's like medium sized, uh, rolling 30. Yeah. That's the kind of spend we're, we're typically putting through. So at, at the biggest, I would say 20,000 last 30 days, but some of those clients want to scale far bigger. So we're trying to figure out ways to deploy, uh, their spend intelligently and at a pace that they're comfortable with and still hit the ROAS goals. So that's when it becomes a little bit more challenging, but most of those campaigns, uh, sorry, those orders, you know, if you combine all the results from that client are 3.0 or higher. In general, you know, some of them are a bit lower, some of them are far higher, but if you average it all out, that's usually what that looks like. Yeah, man. So, I mean, so it seems like the long and short of it is like, it's a big new opportunity, potentially a lot of, you know, spend and scale potential with it. And it's still new and, and developing and, and really, you know, kind of learning. And so, so I guess, uh, I, I mean, can you explain a little bit about like how people can get access? Cause I know it's, it's kind of tricky. And, and I mean, and I guess explain the current situation as well as any thoughts on why or what the situation is or what people can kind of expect from, you know, if they want to, you know, use DSP ads. Yeah, sure. So the, uh, l- let me touch on something you mentioned before, which is like this, this feeling we have right now, it's like a very like blue ocean, uh, you know, to, to borrow that phrase, a very like blue ocean type feel we got right now. This is honestly what it felt like in sponsored products in summer of 2015, when I first started messing around with that on Amazon, I was like, there's a tremendous amount of potential here. Um, and nobody's, you know, talking about this platform and even sellers are not even using it as much as they should. And we had so few levers to pull at that time. There weren't that many things we could actually do with sponsored products. And yet it still felt like, wow, this is an incredible opportunity. So DSP is like that, except we have so many more levers to pull. We can do so many more things with targeting and the reach is just tremendous. And it's not a closed ecosystem like Amazon is, you know, if you're advertising just on Amazon, you're not allowed to send things off to your own website or like use pixels or, you know, send it to a a page you can do Facebook retargeting like that, that just like multiplies the dimensions of what's possible with this. So I do have this feeling of it being similar to sponsored products in 2015, where it's like, man, there's so much that can be done here. That's, that's the first aspect to this, I would say. Now, as far as DSP like access goes, you can't just like go to Amazon and be like, hey, I want to use DSP, uh, unless you're like Ford or something like that, in which case, of course, they'll take your call. But access is like pretty limited right now. So we have what's called um, self-serve. Historically, uh, DSP has been available to Amazon sellers primarily who Amazon reached out to and they typically wanted a huge spend commitment. I think it was thirty or $35,000 over um, you know, a month or two or something like that. And they would manage it for you and they'd give you the results. And in our experience, we have clients who have, who have done that. They saw you know, middling to poor ROAS on that because 
Amazon really wants to focus on like the high funnel stuff. They want to tell you all about how they're going to, you know, put all these people in your uh, detail pages. And as an agency who's really kind of performance focused, that's like what, where we come from. That's our background. We're smaller and scrappy in that, in that fashion. You know, we are looking to get ROI like right away. We're, we're aiming for ROAS. And then after we do that, we can prove it out and, you know, move into other things that clients are willing to experiment with. Since we have self-serve, we're able to provide our clients or people who work with us like a much smaller uh, ad spend minimum. So we typically propose 5,000 as a minimum, uh, but we have clients we've started with that uh, go as low as 3,000 if they really want to test it at a small scale. But, you know, 5,000, 8,000 range is usually good to start. And, you know, we set it up, we manage it. We can be very transparent with people about what's going on, you know, screen shares, reporting, uh, you know, biweekly is our typical cadence. I think a lot of agencies do that. And we're happy to share like exactly how we're targeting things and work with people to use pixels to put on their website to build an audience or, you know, upload their email list and a hashed uh, encrypted blob to, you know, retarget them, for instance, build lookalike audiences, which is another feature you can do. It's going to sound familiar to anyone who's used Facebook because it's like almost exactly the same thing. But the point is uh, access is a bit limited. So you can't just work with any old company to do it. Um, you have to find an agency that does self-serve with DSP or be big enough to approach Amazon directly and ask them about it. Um, you well, can't just like go to Facebook and like sign up like you can yeah, in that instance. From the agency provider standpoint, you know, having a gated access is obviously a, a benefit that, you, you know, people can't just sign up, but like, do, what are your thoughts on why that is like, I, yeah, like why aren't people just able to create their own things? Is it because it's new and they're still kind of figuring out the bugs or, or thoughts? I have a theory. I don't have any evidence to back this uh, or data, but I have a theory. So in, in 2018, or was it even 20, early 2019, Amazon opened up DSP to a lot more agencies and just said like, all right, you get you know self-serve access, you get self-serve access. And I think even some bigger sellers too, for that matter, they just said, here, go ahead, give it a shot. And I think that a lot of agencies and sellers went into that with a very different expectation of what was going to happen in terms of return on ad spend. And they didn't understand the complexities of the platform. And so Amazon was subsequently flooded with hundreds of requests of people who like wanted their money back or like had issues like setting things up on the platform. Um, I know two agencies that come to the top of mind that, you know, tried it at that time and had some really poor results and had to have a lot of difficult conversations with clients so I think that that scared Amazon a little bit. And they said, hey, we're going to actually restrict access for this now um, to a more limited number of agencies and, you know, try to, I think they were overwhelmed by the demand um, that it put on their support staff. And for instance, you know, Amazon's a big company, but they're, they're pretty frugal. Like they, they really bootstrap stuff still to this day. And so that was like a flood I think they got hit with and they were more cautious with it after that. Right. So it is possible to have like a sub, uh, subdomain under your DSP uh, thing, kind of like Google ads where you can do the nested accounts. But I don't see agencies doing that very often for like reselling purposes. That's pretty uncommon. So access is restricted because I think Amazon was actually a bit, a bit frightened off by the first time they tried it. That makes sense if they, they open this new thing and if it's kind of a, a mess and that turns into, you know, their mess. And, and something also that I'm, right. I mean, that I know that when Pathfinder first got access and I remember when I was first hearing about this and you were first starting to play around with it, I know that it wasn't getting the same returns that, you know, now I know that you've been getting with clients. And, mm -hmm. and so, I mean, why, why is like, it, 
is there just a steeper learning curve or I guess like what changed from, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that I remember, you know, hearing you telling me about doing some of these DSP tests that like didn't go so well. And, you know, now fast forward, it's 4X ROAS, 6X ROAS. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. So like what, I mean, what, what changed? Yeah, it's a good question because uh, last year when we did first start running it for a handful of clients, uh, we did have some tests that, that were, you know, mediocre results and a handful that went actually poorly. And yeah, the learning curve is steep. <laughs> Let's say it that way. It's like a whole ocean to dive into and swim through. So that's you know my opinion of it because, uh, like I said, I, I really come from the pay-per-click kind of background. I don't have as much experience with display programmatic. Uh, someone who does probably could pick it up quicker, but we've since learned a lot. And that's been from talking with Amazon, talking with other agencies, experimenting, trying things, and just being like really hands-on getting into all the details because there's a lot of detail oriented work that needs to be done with DSP to keep things running steadily at a good performance level. Yeah. It's, it's like the school of hard knocks, I guess <laughs> you could say is, is one way we've, we've improved, but yeah, it wasn't always like, you know, four X, six X, whatever. There was definitely a, a harder, a harder start to it. And part of that is also um, being very selective about what clients and what products we work with from just an Amazon perspective. So I think the approach that we did that was wrong the first time is we said to clients, hey, we have DSP, do you want to use it? The approach that's correct is, hey, you're our client. We have identified positively these five products that are going to work in your account. Here's our proposal for how to do it. And that's a different approach, right? Because everybody wants to use it. But the reality is uh, there are uh, some accounts that just won't work for it and some that we're on the fence with. And you know, we're very clear with our clients like, hey, we could try this. Let's put $4,000 towards it. We're not sure if it's going to work, but other clients, we can say affirmatively, we know for sure this is going to be a home run. So let's do 8,000. And then, you know, our, our kind of like spidey sense at this point is pretty well tuned. So we had that happen with a client uh, early this month where we proposed $8,000 spend. We've had incredible results four and a half times uh, just the first two weeks. And then they're like, all right, this is great. You know, let's, here's 10,000 more dollars. Like <laughs> go, go for it. So that, that I think selection process is like the first most important thing and then knowing what's going to work before testing it. You mentioned having, you know, developing this instinct of what works and like, can you, you know, maybe talk a little bit about what that instinct has kind of evolved into or like who should be thinking about this or what are the slam dunks that you're seeing if someone is approaching you or, or thinking about mm -hmm. this? Yeah. So let's talk about it from an Amazon product perspective first. Let's imagine you have a product that has, um, you know, a lot of reviews, a very mature listing, high quality images, like really, really well SEO optimized, steady sessions and sales, you know, more than 3000 sessions, I would say in like a, you know, 45, 60 day period is probably a good like baseline to start with. And the account in general should have probably more than a hundred thousand dollars US in sales per month. Like those are some just basic minimums. If you kind of clear those bars, then it's something worth looking into. Another consideration is the type of product that you're going to be advertising. So a consumable product is going to work pretty well um, because you can do like a retargeting re-up list to, to those people. Um, and they're going to you know, repurchase or do a subscribe and save, for instance. High price products also work uh, pretty well because, you know, if something's $129, you know, we have a few clients that have products that are several hundred bucks. Even if you have a pretty expensive CPM and they make one purchase, the ROAS works out really easily. Of course, that's true for sponsored products and Amazon advertising in general, but higher priced products definitely work. I would say things that are like five bucks or something like that's probably not a good fit for DSP or things that are um, 
I don't know, like have, have like three and a half stars out of five. Maybe he's like too low of a review or inconsistent sales, a low session count. Those things I would, I would stay away from. Also, if something is in a category where advertising is, you know, actively discouraged by Amazon, let's say like adult, uh, probably not a good fit either <laughs> for that matter. Man, I mean, we have covered a ton about, about DSP. And is there anything else that you think would be good to include or, or like what you're just personally excited about with the, the platform and, and the direction things are going in? Yeah, uh, the things that excite me most are the continued march of Amazon to improve the targeting methods inside of the audience builder. Um, I think the audience builder is like one of the main facets that sets DSP apart and makes it like interesting. So the more data that we have access to and the more like levers we can pull, so to speak, on the machine of DSP that are unique to Amazon, the better the results we're going to drive can be. And I personally am really excited to try more and more link out, you know, off Amazon efforts. So whether that's a, you know, ClickFunnels like squeeze page, uh, someone's Shopify site, whatever, these things I think is a big growth area for not only our clients, but the business in general. And 2020 into 2021, this is like my, my big focus personally as the founder of the company. You know, I have the, the time and resource to like dedicate a lot of mental energy to this Really, I think it's what's going to take the agency to the next level, but also like provide us the opportunity to work with a lot of companies that maybe aren't even relying on Amazon, but yet are uh, still want to tap into the DSP side of things because it's like a totally new entrant into the display market. And I think it's going to eat some of Google and, and Facebook's lunch, quite frankly. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I know I, I share a lot of your excitement there. And I know something, uh, another uh, guest uh, I had on the podcast recently was saying that like the advertising is the biggest like growth area for Amazon. I forget exactly, like they're investing a lot or it's mm-hmm. the biggest growth in terms of, you know, revenue for them or, or something. I mean, but this yeah, is- Yeah, it a, falls uh, under their other line item on their um, their quarterly updates. I think, yeah, they're estimating like 17 and a half billion or something um, <laughs> last year. And this year, I think they're going to they're gonna breach like something much greater than that. Yeah, so it's definitely up there with like profitability of like AWS, you know, that basically pays for the rest of the company. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thanks for, for coming on and breaking all this down. I mean, this is like, I know, you know, as an area that I'm also personally very interested in, and and I think there's a lot of cool potential for the agency because this is a cool, like, there's a lot of opportunity with the advertising as well as a potential advertiser, you know, sponsoring different, you know, products or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, exploring some of these different campaigns. I just think so much interesting stuff going on with DSP. And so, yeah, thanks for for coming on and sharing. And and yeah, where can guests, if they, you know, want to find more uh, info about you and Pathfinder and and DSP, how can they get in contact or where can we send them? Yeah, sure. So primarily uh, you can go to amzpathfinder.com. So that's AMZ, uh, you know, Pathfinder. Dot com. We also have .eu if you prefer that. <laughs> uh, you can find me at uh, brent at amzpathfinder.com or LinkedIn. Just search for my uh, hard to spell last name on there. I'm probably one of the five people that comes up um, and you can, you can tell from there who I am. So LinkedIn is a good place too. I'm also on Facebook, but yeah, a little bit more accessible on LinkedIn these days. All right. Well, Brent, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Long time coming. Glad we got this in and Likewise. super excited about the future of DSP and uh, all the different possibilities that we got to chat about here. So thanks. Yeah, thanks, Nate.
This has been the Ecom Exits podcast with Nate Ginsberg. If you're enjoying the Ecom Exits podcast, show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This will help other smart entrepreneurs find us. We appreciate your support. We have a new episode every week on the Ecom Exits podcast. So catch you next time.